A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. A, a, a grain of rice, a, a grain of rice, it's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show, mission was to show then we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. OK, folks, how are you all doing out there? Um, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner uh, Monday podcast. Mixed, mixed bag today, we're, we're doing both our sports. We have Mark as usual, Michael as usual, and myself, and uh, delighted to be joined by Kilmehill native, now a Cratlow uh, club member, long, second longest serving intercounty football manager, Colm Collins, Clare football manager. You're very welcome, Colm. And, no, and nothing won. <laughs> no, well, I tell you one thing, from where you started, you're doing a fair job, and I think we'd all acknowledge that. Uh, we'll bang into the hurl nearly. Tony's going to join us and do the proper football. Uh, at Clark Castle, I wouldn't be fit to talk to you about football. Columbia. There's only so much we can allow. <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess. I, I, I'm loving all the clearing jokes already. Yeah. They're whistling overhead. Well, it's about time we got a week where we got in some bit of like, you know. Yeah, big, big weekend for Clare this week. <laughs> the, the, the double in the league in the it first was, week of February. Massive, massive victories over the weekend. Yeah, we'll start there, Mark. Um, do you know what? The two lads behaved themselves anyway, didn't they? Yeah, uh, they're very, very well behaved. I'd say, Dale. Obviously, you were talking to both of them during the weekend, giving them a bit of advice about to shake hands before and afterwards, <laughs> which never materialised, unfortunately. But yeah, they behaved themselves, and I suppose they're, they're two teams, I suppose, acquitted themselves as well. But for I suppose the first, the first day out for Brian Lawn in a real a hotbed, I suppose, Anthony, after an ease into the league uh, with an easy win in the first round. This was a big game for, for Brian Lawn as a new manager, number one, but I suppose taking his clear team, a kind of a new-look clear team in terms of the way the players are lining out, the likes of um, Conor Cleary full-back now, uh, Pat O'Connor centre-back and McInerney in the middle of the field who seems to have released Tony Kelly to, to, to play his best. And I suppose the other big move is uh, David Fischel starting a centre-forward and got three points in play yesterday and was very forceful. And even late in the game, when Wexford looked like they were going to win the game, I think there was only a point in it maybe with 15 minutes to go, there was a ball broke off of David Fischel down to Tony Kelly and whipped it over the bat. A fantastic score when Wexford were doing all the, all the pressing at the time. Yeah, and... Michael, there's probably too much written about it last week, wasn't there? I mean, it's two grown adults who don't get on. You know, shite happens. Get on with it, like, and, and they yeah. got on with it. There was yeah. no, you know, there's no need for the theatrics. It's just, um, we said there just before the microphones came on that this, this, Did we? this, this feud, this feud must be the most well-publicised feud <laughs> since the Hatfields and the McCoys in the wild, <laughs> in the wild west. But yeah, look, I suppose they're two intelligent fellas who know they're bigger fish to fry uh, down the line, as Mark was saying. You'd have to even know there's a nice spine coming together for Clare up the middle, up the middle. And another thing we just touched on briefly, you know, we were talking in the last couple of weeks about work rate and forwards and whatever. And I, there was an exhibition of it yesterday, Shane O'Donnell, when, you know, Clare were needing to dirty the ball coming out of Wexford and, you know, the shift he put in. For a fellow who could coast, who could have coasted three years and three goals in all in the final, you'd have to say his attitude every time he goes out seems to be like 
my place is in jeopardy. I have to show, and you know, yesterday was was no different. Yeah, but he's he, sorry, and he's a very genuine bloke. You know, that's that's the reality. And um, I I suppose it was Davy Fitz actually picked him to 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 get those three goals in the Ireland final against Cork and sprung him before anybody. I suppose that there was nobody really knew who she, who he was at that moment in time. But he's you know after Conlon was sent off yesterday, like Clare, you'd have to say had a mountain to climb because that field in Wexford, the wind blows straight down the field, and particularly in the second half. There wasn't a whole pile in it at half time, and to dig it out, the result was magnificent. But the forwards, it's key that your forwards work hard. And look, you know, it was a funny game. I don't know how many times you'd get to play a column in Wexford Park a bit. I suppose over the years you would have, and no, no. would you been down to follow the lads? Doll, I've, you, you I've been there. At the wind, wind is always a factor yeah. there. But uh, we've never played there. But um, ah, it was a fantastic victory for for Clare. I thought that. Um, you know, some of the stuff they did was really top grade. They work great all over the pitch. They're obviously playing really well for Brian, like, you know, and uh, long may it continue. Yeah, I like what I would say there is, you know, on the 33rd minute, I think it was seven points to four. And Claire in that two minutes and the four minutes of injury time tagged on five points. Yeah. Do you know, it was really the most productive period of the match for either side. Yeah. Wexford, right after half time, got three quick points. But those five points in six minutes, yeah. you know, and, without, and without pushing to say, we need a goal here, we need to be six up, yeah. they tagged on, tagged on, and that's really what got them over the line. And, and you'd often be a player or be a mentor on the sideline, and you know with the breeze that you have, you're kind of making it up in your head, we need to be six or seven points up with that kind of a breeze. You, you'd know that's a seven-point breeze. When you're only three points up and time nearly up, you're, you're kind of starting to question yourself and starting to worry. And But like that is a magnificent turnaround to get five points late in the game. And as you quite rightly said, didn't go for goals, just kept t- kept the scoreboard ticking over. But you know, I suppose, just mentioning Brian Lohan and Dale, you'd have played with him, I'd have played against him. He was imperious as a fullback for Clare for probably five or six years. You know, I can remember the red helmet, no strap in it. You know, we were really in that was awe. Deliberate, that was deliberate, no strap. <laughs> Frightened fellas away from him. No, it had to come off from the crowd, give <laughs> a big right, roar. Yes, <laughs> but like, I must say for five or six years, he was the farm hurler in the country, I suppose. Like, you know, and he was the most feared fullback at his time. And like, he, he's... He's done a great job in, in the colleges scene as well and now he's his first step into the county management. And as Colm said, like the, the players obviously a lot of those your, your, those players now were young lads then and would have seen him and they I'd say they would be giving him one hundred percent commitment like. Yeah, and just I suppose that is what one ex mentor who was involved in maybe one of the last two management setups, he wasn't directly maybe involved, but he said to me that no, was saying what about Lohan's appointment? And he said he might be just what the doctor ordered for this group. Because like, and in conscious, we're next to a man who's the second longest serving manager around. But you'd wonder at the change of culture that we say, I'm not sure what Jerry and Don would be like behind closed doors, but Brian was probably maybe slightly more forbidding even in image to these fellas. You look at Liam Cahill and Waterford and the bounce these fellas get because, you know, there's a new manager, but it's a completely new dynamic in the sense that maybe it's not so much of an arm around the shoulder and kind of, you know, show, show, us, show us what you have. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say Brian, Brian wouldn't be an arm around the shoulder guy. Uh, you perform or else, and that's it. And uh, I'd say he's he's left them under no illusions about where, where they stand. But I think that, um, you know, a, a, sometimes a fresh manager like that with a completely different approach uh, sometimes can give you a massive lift. And uh, hopefully this can continue under Brian. But um, one thing for sure is that every fellow that pulled on the Clare jersey this year will will 
go to a wall for you and, and that will be coming from management because uh, he was, as, as Mark said, he was a fantastic player. Uh, I mean, he was he was he was incredible. Like he was an incredible player, and as a fullback for Clare, he was Jesus. He um, any day we went out, he was always he always performed, and uh, he was one of those guys that you looked up to all the time. And I think that uh, even the young fellas, their mothers and fathers, will tell him how good he was. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you know, just gas the two of them on the line together. Okay, they don't get on, but you know, Fitz, he was to me as well. It was another kind of a real leader in that group. Uh, when we had it, you know, it wouldn't be really known, maybe outside of a bunch of Fitzy running down, baiting the crossbar before the ball be running, to antagonise the tip crowd or the cross that's crowd. Right, and, that's right, you know, that's right. Just, just didn't care, just wanted Clare to win. And yeah. Mays and the same coming up against each other now, and uh, that's just the way it is. I don't think Wexford would be too upset to have the first win up. And, like, what was, for me, Mark, I thought, they're, they, don't, like, they don't really have massive depth. Maybe Clare don't have it either in terms of, Limerick depth or tip depth, mm. maybe even cock depth. Now, mm. you know, cock maybe mm. might argue that against it, but you know, when they're missing Lee Chin, missing Dermot O'Keefe, they're, they're mm. crucial decision makers for them. And I thought some of their decision making with the yeah. wind was was, yeah. was off. Yeah, they, they certainly took a couple of free pots of we say 70 80 meters out, and with a strong crosswind, they're they're difficult enough score. Okay, we saw Mac Fanning get a ma- massive score from uh, he's the goalkeeper, the line ball was played across the field, and, and it went over the bar. Um, but I think Jack O'Connor missed a couple of freezes as well, like freezes you'd expect good inter county players to get. And I, I suppose, in, in general, Anthony. We all know that when you're on the opposition team and, and the team goes down a man, everybody kind of feels, ah, look, we're going to get over the line here. Turning, We're at home, turning with the breeze. And sometimes it, it's something that runs through the whole team that everybody steps back a small little bit. And at this level, you have to be at it all the time. What I mean by being at it, you must be competing for every ball because once one fella starts to... I would, I'd always use the, the rotten apple theory in the box like if one apple gets rotten he'll rot four or five beside him if one player starts to pull back from the action the four it puts pressure on the four or five fellas all around him so i think the in general i think once the sending off happened i think wexford might have said to them said look we're okay we'll see this one out all right we're turning with the breeze and when that happens that with the team it seeps in yeah and and once you take the foot off the pedal it's very hard to put it back on the accelerator so i i think i think Wexford wanted to win that game. They're at home. They're Leinster champions. They're still, you know, they're still climbing to get up there to get that recognition, get that respect of all the other counties. I, I thought that Clare came yesterday with one thing in mind, and I think they played for the 70 minutes plus, and they really had brought the fight to Wexford yesterday. And something may have, have been said in the dressing room, you know, in advance before the game. Lads, we're not coming out of here without a result. Yeah. Oh, I'd say, look at trying to get a bit of info as impossible as we allude to every week here but yeah, yeah. yeah just one or two for us in we're going to be up for this one like yeah. <laughs> might have been leaking out from maybe you know someone to someone and you know yeah but I, I suppose the, that the, was the vibe in training yeah. if, you know. but like like Tony Kelly I, I saw him as a minor right I, I was when he played down in Parky Cueve and I saw there's a bit ago now and he was the outstanding player as a minor and for I suppose the last number of years we haven't seen you know, the real Tony Kelly is what I would say. He, when he bust on the scene, first a bit like Conor Lehan, when he bust on the scene, he was magnificent. No, he's had a busy schedule. His club has gone very well. He's in college in Limerick as well. They've gone well. And he's probably expected to carry the can now for Clare going forward. So I thought, just, we've only seen two league matches. 
I think the responsibility of the freeze from the management is the first thing to say, listen, you are our leader now going forward. And I think he's responded to that responsibility as well. Now, it's early days yet, but he is a very, very talented hurler. He's one of the exceptional ones that we have in the country at the moment. Yeah, and I, th- I think, like, you know, that was trying to think about what, what you'd compare it to. Would you compare it to a Hoggy with Cork or a Keen Lynch maybe in, with Limerick? Limerick, so many of them, I suppose. But mm. for me, it's very much like maybe like Aston Gleeson. Do you know that then, if Clare are going to go well, you're going to need TK hitting kind of the 8.5 out of 10 most days. I know he's not going to do it every day, but the other day he will hit 9.5. And with Waterford, the, the Gleeson type player can be just the difference with you be nearly there or getting there. And isn't it kind of similar that maybe Tony knows going to settle in midfield and maybe is there still a question about Aston Gleeson? Where, where do you put him to get the best out of him? It's funny looking at John McGrath Saturday night, the way he comes off centre-forward, but he doesn't go too deep, whereas where Tony was playing centre-forward, but he was coming in behind his own 45, and I'd say the other centre-back would be, leave him off, what can he do down there? But it's funny, by moving him further back to field, he seems to be playing further forward in general play, and I suppose maybe McInerney, is that the understanding? McInerney holds and lets him go forward. And sure, look, I mean, that flick to dispossess... The Wexford man made it look even better because he started looking around to see where the yeah. ball was. But he kind of upset him for the rest of the game as <laughs> oh, well. They were, they were niggling. For the rest. It was suit and clear then because they're trying to run down of, the clock. Of course, because you know, it, and like Lee Chin, no, obviously was a huge loss for Wexford. And you'd say leadership decisions, talking to fellas. We say in the last ten minutes, trying to get Wexford to kind of take the proper shots. But like Tony, led by example, you'd have to say. Knows he very vocal on the field. But certainly, if you were looking up 14 men, you saw him performing that way, it would only lift you. Yeah, he was absolutely in that zone where he, every blade of grass, there was no job too big for him. Um, to send an off. Mark, I, my own take on it was it was, it was a harmless enough sending off, but it was a sending off under mm. what we're mm. told is the rule. Mm. I thought John Conlon didn't help himself. <laughs> By his initial reaction, you need to be a little bit of an actor there straight away. <laughs> you know, you get down over the corner back and or the full bit was Liam Ryan, was it? I think yeah. you get down. You all right? You all right? Like put, yeah. it, put out the two hands. And say, oh, I, I, I know. I, I shouldn't know have I done it. I shouldn't have done it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My hand in the cookie jar. And other words, like it was yeah. like actually, if you saw the fellow playing rugby for Scotland, the fellow who dropped the ball and he was letting on that he scored the try, but the sub behind him had his two hands up. He gave it all away. Yeah. Sub hanging him. Yeah. Um, I think the, the bottom line, and it, this isn't just a new phenomenon, we're hearing it for the last two or three years, Anthony, that once a hand or a, or a holly goes above the shoulder or hits and there's contact with the helmet, you're walking a thin line with the referee straight away. Some of the incidents are accidental, some are, I suppose, lazy, or maybe you know you go into a collision and you accidentally hit a fella, but in John's situation... You know, he was coming out about was drop your man was dropping back and he was lazy, you know, he put his hand up like and certainly looking at the television, there seemed to be some little bit of a jab on the face guard. You know, I don't think he gave the referee any opportunity. Like if it was his arm was extended and you know, the player maybe fell forward and there was no reaction with his with his helmet, I think he might have got away with it. But again, the hand was too high. I would go back to Damien Callan a couple of times over the last number of years. He's got yellow cards for similar incidents. Just, no, they're big men. That's the only other side yeah. of it. They're six foot plus guys. 
taking on a, a smaller guy, you know, with the four or five inches in the difference there, sometimes those leads, the taller leads are going to get caught with a, with a high arm and stuff like that. But I don't think in the, in the nuts and bolts, I don't think John could have any argument with the sending off. And, 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 and yeah, so I know there was a few highlighted, but just from that game, I thought Rory O'Connor was a little bit lucky as well with one that he flew in. He did. He was low. Yeah. As opposed to what Conlon did was more silly, I thought. Uh, yeah. But Rory went in low, hard, and pulled at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And got away with the yellow. But I suppose yeah. we have been told anything head height. Yeah, and I suppose the only thing I would say in Rory's situation is that the Wexford play, oh, sorry, that the Clare player had his holly down, so he was protected. He didn't get a welt of the yeah. holly off of his leg and stuff. And then if the holly was gone and he pulled and broke the holly off of his shin, I'd say maybe the, the referee might have taken a different view. But. Uh, an old man, Jonas Scully, down our way, gave me advice when I was 12 years of age. He said, Mark, he said, your holly is not just for holling, he said, it's all for for protection. So I took that advice on board. I thought you were going to go down some other road there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play, lads. I know, great stuff, great start for Brian Lohan. I think, you know, that people in Clare even would be sitting up yesterday even and... Uh, they'd be delighted with all the results, Ferris, uh, but uh, they'd be looking at that one saying, you know, that, okay, beating Carlo, you will... You know, you had to get it done and, and yeah. it come, come, put to go on then and go down into Wexford and get a result. Um, we had Limerick and Galway then. Um, the Gaelic Grounds, real, other real attractive game, you know. Um, and again, like you're trying to predict these teams and we're not getting them until maybe Sunday morning now on the days. Of, mm. Again, Limerick, I think, you know, showing the depth that they have. I know Galway are missing lads, fellas like Di Bork and mm. Johnny Cohn, a few fellas like that. They will all come back, you know. Di- uh, so Cooney, David Johnny Bork, Glenn. Joseph Cooney, yeah. yeah. But Johnny Glenn, Joseph Cooney, you don't know for don't sure. Know you know, it's a bit there, like yeah. last year. And yeah. Didn't really help last year no, either. No, no. Uh, but like, you're looking at Limerick and you're saying the two cases, you know, Peter and Mikey, Kyle Hayes, and the three Patricks well lads then as well. Like, yeah. They able to not start them. I know yeah. some of them came on, like, but still, it was seamless enough and they win... By eight points, pulling up yes, really. You know. Yes, yeah, and I suppose, you know, and the big thing with the new national league is, I suppose, with the three so-called weaker teams involved, and they're split into two different groups. All the top-tier teams, shall we say, are confident enough that they're not going to end up down in the bottom, in the bottom of the of the table. So they're they're going to avoid relegation, whatever will happen. And like that is the pressure that was on inter-county player or inter-county managers for the last number of years is that they felt, oh, just the last thing we want to do is be relegated in Division Two. It hurts morale, but also hurts the pocket in terms of we'll say the the, the attendances and stuff. Like ten thousand people in um in the park on Saturday night, like. A twenty quid a skull, like it's fourteen thousand at this one. Yes, mag- yeah. mag- like forty-two thousand people at Dublin and uh, Kerry the week previous. So, like the crowds, to be fair, are turning out, and they are being treated to good games as well, good spectacles. So, but I suppose going back to the to, to the Limerick scenario, yes, to, to expand on the point about the panels is that now it gives you the opportunity to play the four or five new fellas that you wanted to play. Whereas heretofore, managers were under pressure to pick maybe 13 or 14 of the starting 15 to actually make sure that they weren't in a relegation scenario. But yes, the, the strength and depth from a Limerick perspective is, is frightening and temporary. And, you know, Kilkenny, they're without the belly hail fellas at the moment as well. You know, they have a nice panel of players. But I think the new structure of the Munster Championship, having four games in five or six weeks, you need to be able to call on 22, 23 fellas that will fit into whatever line they're picked. So I think the league will be great for the top tier teams because they certainly will have tried plenty of fellas in, 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 the, in the league. And Colm, just like I, what I've noticed, we've all noticed it. Um, 
John Kiley, when he's bringing in these guys, uh, new, let's say relatively new, or trying something like a Barry Nash back as a half-back, which has been a big success for him, um, and we'll put pressure on that line, but he has kind of had two of the stable diet of the half-back line, of the full-back line, when he has popped someone in like Costello or Tom Condon, and again, up front, during the Munster League, Darren O'Connell, but he always had you know, Shemi Flanagan with him or somebody else that has been around the scene now, third year, fourth year. Was that, was that something you'd look to do? You're probably under more pressure turning new lads, especially this year as well. Like, you've lads back and you've great lads gone, obviously. Yeah, I think that um, Kylie's strategy, a lot of managers use that strategy where if you're going to give a young fella a chance, give him a chance, put, put a scaffolding around him so that if he's getting a go on the half-back line that you have two regulars with him or if he's in the full-back line, two regulars. We did it, I think it was a couple of years ago. We just, you know, we, we had to make a few changes. Was it was three or four years ago and... We just made one change in every line, deliberately, so that um, I think it's good. But I think Mark made a great point. I mean, this year's league, it really, the pressure is off. The pressure is so much off, so that you are going out now with an eye to the summer, rather than having to look on it as a, as a, as a, a win in itself. Now, obviously, as, as, he, as he discussed earlier on, the Clare team going down to Wexford was, was going down there for a win and no more about it, but... I still think that this year's league is going to make it a lot easier for managers to try out players, try out different formations, and uh, the, the pressure is that, is that something you envy, Colm, uh, for the? Are you? Are you? Do you just enjoy the league so much in uh, football that even we had Gooch telling us last night that this is why it's so good mm-hmm. because we don't know who can beat who on a given day. Whereas in championship. I would, Maybe I, w- I wouldn't mind if it was a nod year that you got, got <laughs> the, <laughs> the pressure off a nod year. But uh, I mean, the thing about Division Division 2 football is that um, it's so competitive. I think there's nothing between any of the teams and that every day you go out, it can go either way. Like, you know. Well, you saw, you saw, the, sorry, you saw the league table last night, like, you know, eight teams, three points, then six teams and two points on Roscommon where my wife is from, down in the bottom. And they've, they've probably played really good football in the last couple of days. Six points up, I think, in both games, both league match, and yeah. got held to a draw the first day and got beaten over the weekend. That's so. right, yeah. So the, f- from that point of view, uh, like obviously Roscommon are a good side now. We're playing them next week. And uh, you know, even though they're at the bottom at the table at the moment, I don't think that reflects anything. And it wouldn't surprise me at the end of the league if they were above at the top of the table, you know. But... Uh, as I said, if the GA couldn't do something, that every four years you get a year off. You know, to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, does, does that does that mean you'll be around in four years? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> a rolling contract. You, you could be here on, in Cork on a full time basis. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I I tell you, from with the old Division One in the hurling league, like was with the Dubs, like. Every day was pressure. Like, like one one of the days we ran away with some match. And I remember, he's like, it might have been Wexford in Parnell or something. And I went in and I said, thanks for that, lads. <laughs> this is the first time for the last 20 minutes I was able to kind of chillax and talk away yeah. to Richie Stakelum and yeah. say, oh, we're grand, who will we bring on? <laughs> every exactly. other day you were hurling every ball with him, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like that, that is it. I, I think, I'd say, you know, I know Liam Sheedy and Tipperary have been beaten in the two matches so far. But I think there's no real pressure on him. And do you know what he's done? He's given all the lads a good bit of game time. He's under no pressure to actually get a result. Once you don't finish in the bottom, you're okay. And I think like he's he's using that like he's he shot still Noel McGrath, um, Dan McCormick, Brendan Mayer, you know, Bonner Mayer. Hopefully he'll be he'll be back. We see a bit more action now. 
Fair enough, you bought Anshay, McCann, and, 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 and Bubbles may, maybe looking at trying to get the win the other night, but yeah. w- won't, be too, won't be too disappointed. But coming back to the Limerick-Galway game, once that I saw Dale over the weekend, which I would be concerned if I was in the Galway camp, uh, Cork and Tip, Cork at 40 shots and goal, Tip at 39, Limerick at 37, Galway had only 24 shots and goal. And like at this level, if you're not getting up 30 between 30 and 35 shots and goal in every match you're going to be in trouble because you need to get scores as, as the year goes on but you know I know her just watching it like um, I thought that they tried to take on Limerick at their own game Michael I don't know if you felt that but they, they went toe to toe in the middle with them and said here we go we'll, we'll take you on in the battle zone and I think you try that with Limerick, you nearly always lose. They're savage in the middle. And then when they lost Joe Canning, who was having a brilliant game, to be fair, like then you, you know, a lot of their young lads haven't stuck up their hands now. They were missing Ty Cairn, who we spoke mm, about last week, got the six points. Yeah. I'd like I'd like him to have seen him again. But I, I just felt that, that this, they, they came very deep with the half-forward line, you know, pushed out, tried to leave the space for Whelan, who did look dangerous. But you, you seldom come out on top with Limerick, I think, going at that game. Yeah, because, I mean, and we've spoken about how certain teams suit other teams the way they set up. And, I mean, Limerick have that so well organised. I say they welcome that if you take him on like that. It's easy to be wise after the event, but that whole thing in boxing where you get the other fella to do what he doesn't want to do. You know what I mean? That you don't let him play the game they're comfortable with. And, like, you, you touched on it there. I mean, Joe Canning, another injury. You know, you know, I know the news is good this morning and they're optimistic. But he is still so central um, to everything. That you'd you'd have to I know it's an old cliche, but you'd have to look at where's the leadership come from other fellas. A lot of them on on the road arms as long as he as he is. I mean, Whelan is a great leader, a great warrior, but he's what age is he? Twenty three, twenty four. He's, yeah, he's still ver- and has been a leader from nineteen twenty. But you would expect two or three more of them to be stepping up as well, especially you know that kind of game. You're away from home, things are going against you. Joe Canning goes off. And like you still will be looking around, to see where where are where are the leaders on that guy? Well, like team? without Dahi Burke and David Burke and Joseph Cooney, you know they are three big physical strong men, centre back, centre field, maybe centre forward, wing forward. Like they were they were fierce last yesterday to to Galway, and um, you know Shane O'Neill, obviously new manager again going into to, to Limerick yesterday to the Gaelic grounds, and would have been hoping for a, a better performance. I would think overall, but you know. What you're seeing with Limerick at the moment is that every fellow who gets the ball around the midfield, he just takes one look left or right. And there seems to be players all the time making themselves available for the 30-yard stick pass and then the next shot is into the full forward line. Or in, like Seamus Flanagan drifted out to the corner. It was a huge amount of ball. It was, drift, was played into both corners yesterday to get a one-on-one scenario. And, and Gerard Hagerty steaming through the middle then. Like yeah. if, but if you're not getting away the shot, there's going to be a third man runner. But, but it, it, it's their skill level is fantastic and their availability. And call it game plan, call it awareness, they have the best probably hurlers at this moment in time and they're all playing really well and their skill level is fantastic. Yeah, they, they I mean, uh, Dara Donovan was man of the match and if he didn't get it, Will O'Donoghue was getting it as far as I was concerned. Correct. And then you had Reedy, Tom Morrissey and Gerard Hagerty come back into that and like you said, like, show me the team that can compete yeah. with this yeah. in a zone. As was as one one cameo moment, uh, he'll always get great praise, he'll always be one of the greatest players of this, this era in hurling. Was was Joe Canning chasing Barry Nash back the field and taking the ball? The young buck, y- young bull, and the old bull. <laughs> Canning, there's Canning behind me. Like says Barry, I'll I'll, I'll see. We'll test out his pace here. And <laughs> I tell you, Joe stretched yeah. out the legs, yeah. and not alone did he 
Barry bounced the ball as he soloed, which is probably not a help either, but in goes the hand. <laughs> Canning takes it, pops it up the wheel and over the barrel. I tell you, the amount of underage coaches that'll be taken in there under 15s and 16s says, hi a minute here, who's the best player in the country? Might say TJ Reid, might say Patrick Organ, might say Tony Kelly, might say Joe Canning, as easy as Keen Lynch or any, you know, the top guys in every county and say, this is Joe Canning. All the skills, all the touch, this, look at this. You must like that stretch of the Gaelic grounds because remember a few years ago he did a right Dixie on John Gardner, he just hand-passed the ball back and Gardner was coming from, the ball was, was long gone in the kind of backwards hand-pass. Yeah, yeah Mike, I tell you, there's one thing that if you're going to do something special in Limerick, do it in front of the Mackey. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get the same roar at the other side. But yeah, look, I suppose always going to be a tough one for Galway. Mark, as you said, down who they're down. It's just I just think Limerick can be down whoever. And yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a next. It'll be hard to pick that 26 for temperature. Yeah, well, you, you sure. mentioned the two midfielders there. Like, I mean, we'd all probably sit around here today and say, like, Keane Lynch is going to be the number one midfielder who's going to scrap it out for the second spot that's actually there. Now, whether they're going to... Is it who lets continue to play the way they're playing? Do they play Keane Lynch centre-forward? I don't think so. Tom Morris is going to be the centre-forward. Garot Hegarty is going to be on one wing. Is it going to be a scrap for the other one, maybe? Kyle Hayes. Kyle Hayes, yeah. And David Reedy, he's yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, so, yeah. and like Glenn rested again yesterday. You know, he's probably their inside man. Shamie Flanagan is putting up his hand now looking for... Sorry. I was there yeah. a number of years ago. Last year didn't go well for me, No, yeah. no, didn't, didn't, you know. And he's been given the opportunity you now to stake a claim. And they have this huge opportunity. And Colm, it's, it's more prevalent, I think, in the football that you, you finish... You finish with your best 15 on the field. It's not so much in hurling, I think. I don't see it as often. You're not inclined to take off a lad who's been playing great stuff, even though he might be on the point of putting up his hand and say, I have no more to give, but they're not inclined to if you're having a great game. Football, I think that culture has changed a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that um, Mick Bohan, dear, that he was with us, Mick used to you know, have this, this um, statement that he used to give to the players, the starting 15 and the finishing 15. And, um, you know, we used, while Mick was there, we always used 21. We always used the six subs, and um, it was something that uh, the players embraced. And, and um, you know, it was good. It was very good for, for panel uh, morale. Uh, and, um, you know, he never called them subs. He called them replacements and so on and so forth. He'd all, you know, and um, I think it's important. But in the case of teams like Limerick and Tipperary, mm. They're going to have to play 20 players because how in the name of God do you want to keep these guys happy? Because they have serious, serious talent. How do you mm. split? Mm. Like, you just take their midfield. How do you leave one of those guys out? Yeah, yeah. like I suppose it's, it's like, like all inter-county players want to play, don't they? You know, when you're involved and you're, doing, you're going through the hard work and the pressure and the, all that, the hard work in the, the Octobers, Novembers, Decembers, like, you know, in the gym and all that. And like, what are you doing it for? You're doing it for game time is what you're doing for, you know? Like, and we'll probably touch on Patrick Collins, the, the, the replacement goalkeeper, as we'll call him now. Um, like he, spent six, he spent six years on the sideline. He's actually got six league matches over the six years and there hasn't been a geek about him. Like a goalkeeper is probably, the sub-goalkeeper, I should say, is probably the f- forgotten man in nearly every team. Like, you know, There's you, a geek about him this morning, does Oh, it? you can, we'll you can chalk that we'll down. We'll touch on that, yeah. yeah we will. It'll be a big, yeah. it'll be a big talking about. I mean, am I mistaken, but Nash, Nash was understudied to Don Logue for... for and Dornlog was under study to, to Cunningham. Yeah. yeah. And and like Nash came on then and he was out there was a stage there that you almost thought Nash was unbeatable. Yeah, well like in Jor Cunningham's situation he saw off Jor Power, the King Power from Middleton, who was a fantastic keeper. He didn't saw off Tom Kingston, who was a very, very good keeper, 
and then uh, Don Lowe came along but uh, the big decision was Jimmy I suppose in 1998-99 make a decision to actually replace him and George was still hurling very very well but just like it is a very very difficult decision I think on any management when your number one keeper comes to a certain stage where there was a younger player underneath him and when is the right time to actually blood him or make a decision to play him so I have to say the hardest thing in management I don't know how you find the column but the hardest thing I found in management was telling the fella he wasn't in the 26 that he didn't get to tug out that's the bit I you know when we reduced it over costs I think God loves as if everyone wasn't training and if we reduced it from 30 to 26 it was desperate hard on players I felt I made it hard on management as well telling the lads that weren't in yeah. it yeah Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that 26 thing is ridiculous. Um, I mean, any any inter-county squad is 30-plus, needs to be 30-plus. I can't understand what is the problem about listing six 32 players and picking from that. I mean, it's the most deflating thing to have to tell a young fella that he's not on the 26. And... Um, it's it's rubbish, absolute yeah. rubbish. I suppose, and the other side of that didn't call him. And I know from an, on the day of the inter county and the championship, you do want all those fellas tagged out. But I would then be speaking on behalf of, we'll say, club managements and mentors who are not allowed to get access to maybe the players from 26 to 32. And it, it isn't the same in every county, but it's in a lot of counties where the county managers won't release those players for league matches and stuff like that. And, you know, we've often seen down through the years where a guy would be training away with his county and, and play very little club matches and he probably goes backwards a little bit without the matches, you know? Yeah, I, I'm strong on that one as well, Mark. I think that um, the county management should uh, should be allowed to name 20, 21 players. Everybody else should play with their clubs. End of story. And, and, and I'd love if that was the situation, but like we, we've played under previous managements and uh, in particular I would say Donald O'Grady who was involved with Cork when he first came in after the strike. There wasn't a player allowed to play a league match all year. I was in a conversation with Dennis Collin and myself and Donald and Sean O'Leary at the time in the panel trying to negotiate on behalf of clubs to release players. And he gave us a, a, a statement afterwards in writing that you can have your players on the 4th of April once and you can have them in the end of September when we're out of the all final. And I mean, I just said, Dennis Collin said to me, I can remember him saying, like, are you saying that these players can play no match with their inter-county team? or with their club team and he said yes they're totally focused and that was a long that was a good bit of go so that's when you were winning the Irons <laughs> we were competing <laughs> for Undela <laughs> but no, like, I agree it, with you yeah. and it's just a pity with the time and if the club matches on that morning and you know a fella's in the 26 and he he doesn't get a run that afternoon that's a missed opportunity for him but it's a hard one then isn't that, it that is a that yeah. is a tricky one and 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 like a lot of the would say strength and conditioning behind the scenes even if the match was on after it, Anthony that night you'd be saying listen okay I talked over the county during the day I didn't get a match can I play a match tonight a lot of the the whole psyche around the, the whole um, county scene was, no look you're coming in you were with us you had your pre-match meal you went through the whole process of the match and that, that stuff and no we're, we're going for a meal after the match and could, wouldn't be allowed matches in that I evening so. I just wouldn't understand that bit it's just a it it's, and now for some players they were quite happy to go along with that now Anthony as well oh, I yeah. would say that now like, get the you know, gear, get it, the gear. It, it, it isn't you know so <laughs> but, uh, man yeah absolutely you know I know I know uh, so look are you um the last couple of weeks there, you were very solid, uh, as was Michael, that I was going to really enjoy the surface in, in Parky Kiev to bring my slippers, as John Mahan told us he, he wore. Hmm. Um, you, didn't, you didn't let us down on the pitch anyway, as I'm going to say that. For you. you took you a while to get it right, but top class. Top we ha- class we have the stadium, we have the pitch, 
and now just the hurlers and footballers. We, we got the double as well over the weekend, Dela. Just to let you know that yeah, now, yeah. you know, hurling and football. It might have only been Division 3 football, but we, we are, we, you know. I forgot about that. We that are, division. We I, are. Let call, I let Cullum expand on <laughs> Division 3 later on. I, don't, I only do yeah, the top divisions yeah, in yeah, the football. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I, I suppose, look, we look not to be tearing over all ground, I suppose. You know, the field was replaced at a huge expense. And um, now. As a spectacle on Saturday night, it was magnificent. Big crowd there, good game, a lot of scores, very entertaining, and that a blade of grass was out of place. And, uh, you know, I suppose upwards and onwards now with the stadium. And I suppose, um, Michael, they, they were listening to Mark over the last week there because uh, he called him out fairly strong last Monday. And uh, honest, I thought, honest, gave his opinion. But we did get a massive increase on the, on the intensity, the tackling. Uh, the willingness to work from the forwards and obviously the shooting completely improved when you put up 225, 224, sorry. Yeah, I'd say Mark's words were up in the, the dressing room. <laughs> I know, but look, I mean, I think what Mark said, I don't think anyone would have argued with that, that Cork needed to improve. And in fairness, they did. Uh, Seamus Harney chased the tip for the half across the field, got in a great block under the the old covered stand as such, Patrick Horgan dispossessed. It's all like, that, that was all better and I mean, like we we've said that the last couple of Mondays that we've been here, that you know that's a that's a basic requirement that fellas work hard. We mentioned Shane O'Donnell um, earlier, who gives an example at every time he goes out in the field. So it shouldn't be beyond the bounds of possibility that players can do it when it's put up to them. And Cork got Cork got the results. They they probably just about just about deserved this was on the night. Yeah, yeah I think they were the better team. I, I would have said that from the get go, um, and it's it's. It just has to be a non-negotiable going forward, like hasn't it? This work rate, like, it's, not, it's not just like one fella coming away you now chatting with lads walking up the road there, up towards um, Parky Ringside of things mm. uh, in the rain. But people said, "What do you think?" And I said, "It's great." Sure, but I said, "Last year you were very bad in the first round, and you beat Clare, and then it died off again." Like so, I said, "You need we we'll know more two weeks time probably." Yeah, well, you know, the, the, what I was and I, and I will always use this as consistency. You know, you need to. And, and it's not about the result. It's actually being able to give a consistent performance that the lads that you put out in the field to play, they're going 100% at it. And what we saw in Waterford was a lack of consistency, a lack of desire, a lack of winning and wanting to win the 50-50 balls, the hard balls. Now, I will say this, you different stadiums, different fields. You know, Welsh Park is a way tighter field. Uh, Parky Cueve is a way more expansive, I would say. You know, there was a lot of good hurling play the other night. Like there wasn't as much intensity in it, Anthony, as we saw in Wexford and uh, yeah, but in, just in, 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 you know. Sorry for cut, cutting yeah. you there, Norman. Like it, for me, it was like a summer game, Correct. and then yesterday you saw eighteen, fifteen in Wexford in a complete dogfight. You saw Galway getting fourteen points. Conditions had an awful lot to do with that. And we saw. So, I'd, I'd yeah. have hated to be playing cornerback yeah. Saturday night. Yeah. Oh <laughs> the, yeah, because speed it, of the ball. It was, was and we saw on the Gaelic grounds there was water coming up in certain in certain parts of the pitch. Like, but it was an open game. But I thought in the overall context, Cork needed to win the game. They wanted to win it a little bit more. I think than Tip wanted to win it. But we saw a few flashes of what is required from a Cork perspective if they want to go on and win something. And this is the point I make about winning something is there needs to be a consistency of desire and willingness to work. Now, two fellas came into the forward line that we hadn't seen. Alan Cadigan scored four points in play. Robbie Flynn scored one three from play and was fouled for a penalty. Like... You know, when you bring in two fellas like that, automatically you're saying to yourself, okay, there's a big improvement now on what we saw the previous week. And um, 
I suppose there was a number of other changes. Um, some of them were enforced, I suppose, because of the Fitzgibbon scenario that you have a lot of UCC lads involved. Um, you know, they didn't start, but critical was the fullback and the centre back are still involved in Fitzgibbon in, in Robert Downey fullback and um, and Tim O'Mahony at centre back. And I said Tim is a little bit unlucky. Um, on Saturday night because he played for Mary I the previous Wednesday yeah. and went to extra time in an absolute grueler of a match like you know so he came off injured but I think it's probably pointing if you're reading between the lines Cork are looking for a three and they're looking for a six yeah. and they said okay well we leave all those other Fitzgibbon fellas off to like Sadara Fitzgibbon and Mark Coleman and Niall O'Leary's and those but we want to see our three and six and we want to see him against Yeah, Tim. they were good I know Tim, well, Tim Manny's was Day was cut short, but Rob Downey was very, very well, solid. And we we didn't mention him the first day against Waterford, and I didn't want to mention him because it's a young lad going into fullback, and it's a it's a big position. But I thought under the dropping ball against Waterford, he was excellent, uh, and I thought he actually enhanced his reputation on Saturday night a good bit. Yeah, in fairness, now and and even I know he lost the two lads. I thought he had much had made a good start as well, and mm-hmm. he lost them. But I like I mean I know Huggy got man of the match. I had Alan Kerrigan very close to being man of the match. I don't know, it was a toss up between them, but from Dara Fitzgibbon's introduction to the yeah. finish of the match, God, what a, what a game. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, that wasn't planned, obviously, and Kieran Kingston said it afterwards. They were, but in a funny way, Cork had the kind of double down on speed with Fitzgibbon and Mark, Mark Coleman. Coleman coming in, Robbie O'Flynn showing up so well that actually they really showed all the pace. And like Fitzgibbon, the way he was able to run it at, at Tipperary was a huge. The huge one. and obviously there'll be no criticism of Rob Downey, seeing as you're actually sitting in Blackpool. So <laughs> I, I, sure. I, I'm, gl- I'm glad, I'm glad to see Glen Overland finally get his due on the record up here, yeah. Anthony. Like I suppose the, 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 the big look, it was a very, very pleasing performance. But well, you know, the question is now for these players and management. How do we progress this now, right? How do we get... Okay, we have Westmead next, but you have two bigger games coming up, I suppose. The likes of Limerick. That'll be the real. That's going to be a real test now, just to see exactly what we have. And you know, I suppose I feel a little bit for Conor Lehane. He was wasn't didn't make the starting fifteen. He came on the other night, but from what I can gather, he's training extremely hard. But it's just not happening for him. Like good players will always come back when they lose a bit of form and stuff like that. At least worked hard on the commando. Yeah, there, there was more. A bit harder more than, 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 yeah. than the water for scenario. But Anthony, for Cork to win anything, yeah. we need Conor Lehane. Yeah going at it for the full game and that's that's the big thing for me is that we now starting to, to, to build a pattern we mentioned Shane Kingston who was probably our best forward against Waterford so just very pleased very pleased with the performance now and, and, and the victory yeah fair play to the, to the players and management was a good response I don't think Liam Cahill that's the beauty of being all Ireland champions <laughs> you can you kind of can cozy along for a nice while you know but they still played a lot of hurling in that yeah, yeah like, I mean the reality is they could have won Quite Could've. easily, Patrick Collins had to pr- produce a couple of very good saves. Bubbles injury as well just broke their momentum when they might have been, you know, might have yeah. might have had 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 yeah, the advantage. I, I, I felt Apologies if I yeah. called Liam Sheedy Liam Cal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it it. I just you mentioned Patrick Collins. He actually made two magnificent saves. The first one in particular, and he won't get a whole pile of it right. Is that he saw the danger coming? He shot off his line to put uh, John McGrath under pressure, and like. 
no better boy than John McGrano to be in a one-on-one scenario and it hit off I say he showed him over for a point so I think I think that was a critical one but the, the other one from six or seven yards out and he went across his body to get the goal mm. and he changed his hands and made a great save and he handled he actually saved two more balls after they were handy enough but uh, you've seen other yeah. goalkeepers to fluff him and stuff like that. so he actually was involved four times in the last eight or nine minutes of the game and when the game was coming down the, down the line in the melting pot I thought he stood up to be counted and he was his puck outs were excellent as well as he yeah, found, a headache he there found, for the management that you'd like as well yeah but the biggest question now is are we going to give him a prolonged period of time in the league so move on now to Westmead and then there's Limerick coming after that in Galway, in Galway. I, I think I, look I, 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 t- I think after that performance he's might have moved himself into the number one position yeah as opposed to the Galway lads I would say Liam Sheedy would have taken Mark Hughes performance Keen Darcy's performance. I was going to say Paddy Cadell's, but I don't know why they took him off. I don't think Paddy knew either. Is he? They, they said he has a back issue and it niggled, but he was just after getting a point. And he they pulled he him didn't off. look too happy when he came no, off. No, my no. monitor, you could, you could get the monitor down to the sideline now. If you weren't sitting near it, you might have noticed it. But there was a lot of explaining going on to him. But I thought, you know, two points and wing back, and, and um, Kyo was really good. Jake Morris, a little bit subdued, but we know how good he is. Mm. And I thought Darcy followed up his UL form. And then also on that, then you'd Parik Mar contributing three points from centre back. Yeah. Rowan and Rock solid like Dickie Dalton and hard enough. Hard enough all and yeah. on him. Yeah. And John McGrath four from play again yeah. from centre forward. Yeah. You know. Again, like as you mentioned earlier on, a bit like a summer hurling game, Anthony. There was it was, it was loose enough. Fellas were able to express themselves, and just striking mm. on the night was excellent, both on the cock side okay. and on the tipperary side. Um, John McGrath is is he's, he's a beautiful hurler, and he's got great feet. In actual fact, and deceptively enough, like he has great balance, and he's able, he's able to move away at ease. But Parik Mala, he, he had a couple of fantastic scores the other night. And um, I think in the overall context, I think both managers would probably be happy enough. But it just meant a little bit more for Cork to win the game, particularly after the Waterford game. Yeah, that, that Galway tip match coming up now, we want to, to look forward to, I think, you know. Yeah, but, it, and you know, again, tip, you know, will they throw in the younger lads again? Or will the likes of Brendan Mayer and Dan McCormack be actually back? Will it be, like we saw Christopher Joyce's name was on the panel for Cork after tearing his cruise shield mm-hmm. last year. Will we see Bonner Mayer coming back? I hope we do because, you know, a guy like him needs to needs to get back into the, to the, to the fold with Tipperary. Yeah, they were the big ones, guys, over the weekend. Um, really enjoyable games in different ways. The Saturday night, as I said, was the, like, championship stuff and then the... It was the real winter stuff in the other games and ground out by Clare and ground out by Limerick uh, very effectively. In the other ones, I suppose, Kilkenny and Carlo. Carlo getting a red card again after eight minutes. It's just nearly impossible, isn't it? If yeah. Taking on them, you're going to go down to 14 men. Yeah. The big thing there, Richie Hogan, 1-3 from play. I think that's the one that we'd be looking at in the paper this morning. Watford drove on again up in, yeah. in Westmead. Maybe Steve, got Stephen Bennett Steve getting Bennett. two eight, two eight again. You know, uh, adding to his thirteen or fourteen points. Following on the uh, previous Sunday. Yeah, and they and they're you know we'll we'll watch them with real interest going forward with the start they've made. And again, I think Matty Kenny needed a a result and a, and a performance. And like after a great start, it was back to one seven each. And uh, but they kicked on and they won by seven points, so that's, that's yeah. crucial and, for them. And again, I suppose from the previous weekend, they conceded two goals. I think in injury time, the previous week conceded two goals in quick succession again against Dublin. Mm. But they put up a big score. They put up was a two seventeen or two eighteen against um, against Dublin. So that was a very very good performance for Leash. Like, and they will be trying to make sure that they're not on the bottom there 
it would look like at the moment already the Carlo are probably going to end up at the bottom. They've had a, I say, a best baptism of fire now coming yeah, up to the division. It's been one. tough, been tough. Be, be, be easier with 15 on the field for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. championship where did this ferocious determination out there today come from the media every one of them wrote us off there was a statement in the cock examiner last saturday or last friday that there are four men on the limerick team that would be afraid to go into a dark room there's the answer today to those those four men gave and, and you're that hurt by those remarks and certainly i'm hurt and the players were more hurt and they're the ones who were insulted this week and they proved it today that they have this So the two Cork Hurling legends have departed the scene and uh, we're joined with the Kerry legend, uh, Mr. Tony Lean here uh, in the studio uh, here to talk about the big ball, the bag of wind as it's affectionately known as in Clarecastle. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's great to have you here, Cullum, um, as we, we touched on in the Hurling section. I mean, what a win yesterday and unlucky the first day in, in Westmead and, and uh, what a division, Division 2 is. I know we touched on it in the Hurling as well, but... Every game, as you said earlier, you have to go to Roscommon next. They're bottom of the table, but it's they could as easily be top of the table. Uh, they could, yeah. I mean, Roscommon have an excellent side. It's it's it's, it's great competitive, very competitive. So, uh, but you wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, you know, when you were when you were down the divisions, you'd have an odd game where you'd be saying, "Yeah, we'll win that," you know. Yeah. But you can't really say that about any of these games. You got to just do your do your best every day. You go out. I suppose one of the interesting things in, in our two games was that um, the referee in, and, and I'm not criticising them in any way, but the referee in the Westmead game, he uh, he stopped play exactly on the, so there was 70 minutes plus five, stopped it exactly at 75, even though that there was time wasted in, in that five minutes. Whereas yesterday's referee allowed all the time wasting and played two extra minutes onto the injury time. So it's just in two, in two weeks, two different interpretations of what, what way it should be done. Yeah. Do you know what I'm actually, Colin, we were just talking about? I mean, and, and in fairness, Dale, people did flag in advance of the, the, the league that Division 2 and Division 3 were obviously the most relevant and significant in terms of what would happen later. But you just even look at Division 2 after two rounds, thinking of... It's unbelievably topsy-turvy. Like, after the first round, Cavan were done. Everybody has written their obituary off. They were done. Oh, they've lost a load of players. They were in huge trouble. Westmead were like, oh, what a result against Clare. And now they were going to be Fermanagh doing it again. Like, it is literally, I mean, uh, was it who said it last night? I think it was Gooch actually said it last night in television. If you could be guaranteed one thing from the National Leagues, it's that Division 2 in the football column will go down to the last day. You know, in terms of who'll go up and who'll go down. And the significance... Now, I don't think... Like, obviously, Roscommon are bottom at the moment. I don't think they're going to go down. I mean, but obviously, if Clare went up now to the high next Sunday, you'd be talking about it. But think about this, Dalo. Roscommon, like a Super 8 team, if they went down to Division 3, the way the championship is in Connacht this year, they've London in the first round. And then they most likely... And I say this with due deference now to, I think it's Sligo, they're most likely Mayo in a Connacht semi-final. So given that you have to get to a Connacht final if you are relegated, Roscommon could actually call him end up facing Mayo to stay in Tier 1 football. Yeah. Could. I'm not yeah. saying it will, yeah. but could. I, 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 I suppose we spoke about this earlier. I, I think that um, the Tier 2 football thing 
you know, you'll get there, and I could beat my words at the end of the year, but you'll get there on merit, and, and uh, I think that people just have to end up embracing it, and if you end up in Tier 2, that's where you deserve to be, and I'm more about it. And, uh, you know, the, the, Ros- the Roscommons and Clares and all this have plenty of opportunity now at this point to avoid that if that's what they want to do. Mm. But I don't think once the chips fall that there can be anybody complaining. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's not a bad thing. I mean, if you're, if, you're in the v- if you're in Tier 2 and you win it, surely that's something that you can, you can build on for the following year. Yeah. But I think that we've got to stop. I, I, but this will only happen over time. Stop looking at tier two as if it is a dumping ground and look on it as a genuine challenge. Oh, I'd agree with you, but an awful lot of people wouldn't. I know, that seems to be the predominant view out there, like, you know, that it's, but, you know, at this point in time, everybody has an opportunity and it's, 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 it's a level playing pitch. Yeah. Where you end up is where you deserve to be. And, and I mean, genuine question, how much pressure did you or the players feel ahead of yesterday's game and that's why what Dale was saying like I genuinely looking at the four divisions yesterday I really think Clare's win was the result was the result of the weekend but you would have known Cullum you were 0 for 4 and and lost at home going to Roscommon next Sunday so like there must have been some pressure on yesterday well I I, I think that Division 2 is we, we've we been in this sport before and uh, so there's like we've pretty much nailed what, what the way to play this, and and that is that each game we forget about promotion, forget about relegation, forget about every game with we've got in the future. The only game that we give a damn about is the game we're playing, mm. and we do a recce on the opposition. We go over what we need to go over ourselves, and we try in that the, the week between games try to get the max we can out of the group, and uh, that's all you can do. And you know, if if we had got beaten by Kildare the last day, which you know, just just touch and go, we'd have to face into Roscommon and try and get a result in Roscommon. Mm. But we're taking it one game at a time and see what we can get out of each one. That's all it's about. And come just a quickie, uh, turn in just a general thing. I suppose mightn't be even football specific in any way. Just uh, you're the second most experienced manager in Ireland. Let's say. Like you to deal with the for a young manager for a fellow who's in his first or second year and he's coming along and trying to make an impression on an ex player maybe or whatever, like he he loses two of his best players and I would have kin it maybe to losing Sean McMahon and Niall Gilligan off our hurling team mm-hmm. around ninety seven ninety eight like losing Gary and Jamie like and but you don't seem to have you know you've just moved on as mm-hmm. if you know yeah we, they're not available so we move on. Well, I I suppose that our job is to get the most we can out of the players that are at our disposal and our job is not to be bitching and complaining about who we don't have like the only players I'll talk about is the players we have in and I think we've got plenty decent players to to be successful I don't have any problem with the fact and like you know everybody was going on about who we're missing but nobody was taking in you know we when we went up to Meath last year we went up to Meath without uh, Kieran Russell without Keelan Sexton without Pierce Lillis and without um, Dermot Coughlin all of those are key players mm. you've got there's our 6 or our 8 or 11 and our 12 they're all key players that we have back so plus the fact that there's some excellent young fellas coming through so you know I, I wouldn't at any given time I mean any of your main players could God forbid break a leg or do a cruciate or whatever it is so you just get on with it and uh, as I said our job is to get the most we can out of what's at our disposal Honest question again oh, I says you honest it's highly dishonest question which is more important to you, staying in Division 2 or promoting or whatever, the National League or the Championship? 
I think that um, in the context of what we have in Clare, I think it's very important that we stay in Division 2. There are some excellent young fellas coming through. There's serious talent um, coming along the line. Is there, yeah. And um, I think it's very important for them that we're playing at a high level. Um, but I suppose from my own point of view, I'd dearly love to win a Munster Championship. Mm. I think, uh, you know, it's a long, long time since 92. And uh, I mean, that's also very important. <coughs> I suppose in, in general, Tony, I think there's... Um, to that that what I said a while ago. Get getting the most out of those players is the is the mo- is the most important thing. Mm. And uh, like while you know I can see pluses and minuses. I suppose for for the future, I suppose that staying in Division Two is is so important for the, for the kids coming through. But I bet you you still have a circle around the ninth of May because. Okay. Like, as Dalo often slags, myself and Dalo are always talking, it just seemed for the last number of years that the Clare and the Kerry ball were stuck together coming out of the hat. It was Even when he drew them out himself two years <laughs> That's ago. That's right. Uh, I, mean, tight. I even did it myself. Uh, stop. It was, it's ridiculous. How many years in a row? It seems like that every year yeah. you're playing Kerry. Kerry. And which year was it? I remember being at a club game here in Cork. Um... I'd say it was above on the north side because I remember I was on my phone the year Donica Walsh got sent off. Like Kerry, that was only what, 2015, 16? Yeah, we had a tremendous he, opportunity. I was just going year. to say, like, I mean, and I think Kerry were against the wind in the second half. Yeah, that was that was when we let go. Um, we should have won that match. We should have won that match. But, uh, you know, you only win at the final whistle and there's no point in, there's no point in talking and there's history now. But, uh it was one that got away, definitely. But the reason I said about May the 9th is Clare are away to tip in Thurless. Cork and Kerry are playing a fortnight later. and the other It's the other side of the draw now. And am I right in saying that puts you into a semi, doesn't it, against semi. Waterford or Limerick? Yeah, that's right, Jim. Yeah. So in terms of targets for the group and in terms of even what it's doing for you at the moment, Colm, I suppose that's my question. Is there even a kind of a bit of a twinkle in the eye about May and June and hey, it could be looking at a monster final here. Um, I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not given the, the party line here now and I'm not churning out the same, but really all that we're looking for as a group is that game against Roscommon now and I mean it so yeah. sincerely. Like nobody has even mentioned Chip. I suppose out of the corner of your eye you'd be watching their team and watching the results yeah. and so on and so forth. But really all the focus now is on Roscommon. And and not and nothing else, and it's the only way you can be, because uh, take your eye off the ball and start oh, looking down the road for one second, and that's a surefire way to get a kick up behind. Abs- and you get bitten on the ass, and all of a yeah. sudden, it, it, when you start looking at the tables, then you start forgetting about championship, that's don't right, you? Chef. Tell me a quick question. Um, I was in Tralee uh, on Saturday night, lads, for the Kerry Galway game, and. I mean, I'm straight out, like, I think the advance mark, I don't like it. Cullum, you may have a completely different opinion, but I actually think that the sin bin is a great idea. Now, I know I'm hearing the hurling lads talking about, oh, not a hope, and they were on last night, and I'm kind of going, I don't get that, but that's that's a different debate. But the material difference already, Cullum, that the sin bin can have in a game, and it literally, if I was, it decided Kerry Galway for me. Killian McDade got a black card, 63 minutes Dalo into the game, should have been back in on 73 minutes, at which time Kerry were, had just equalised and the score was everywhere. He couldn't get back on the pitch. I didn't realise that you have to wait for a stoppage in play or a ball to go out for the player to get back in. He never got back in. Killian Spillane, you probably saw on TV last night, was an overlap. 
got the winning point and it cost him. I mean, do, are you, do you think that the sin binning in football is a good thing for first off? Sin binning is fantastic. Yeah. It's a great rule. The old sin bin rule was a joke, an absolute joke. You had teams like Dublin who had somebody binned and brought on a stronger... You mean the old black card thing, yeah. A, yeah. a stronger player they yeah. brought on. It actually helped them. So there's, um, this sin bin rule is excellent, top class. As for the advance mark, mother of God almighty, what is wrong with people? <laughs> uh, I catching mean, a handy ball inside. I mean, yeah. what skill is there in catching a ball into your stomach? I could do that myself. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, if they're going to have it, and I don't believe, like, we're the greatest crowd to pick up stupid things from other sports and not pick up. The one thing that we should pick up from other sports is the bloody clock. Yeah. Take the clock out of the hands of the referees. God knows they have enough to do. Mm. Uh, take that out. But this advance mark is an absolute joke. And anything, if they're going to retain it, at least make it for a catch over your head. Right. But I, there was a ridiculous situation against, I think it was Kildare and Armagh, or Kildare and Fermanagh. Yeah. Where the Kildare player had the ball on the right hand side of the pitch, just outside the 45 metre line. And he kicked it 20 metres laterally, about two metres inside the 45 mm. for a mark. I know. Mother of God almighty. But yeah. who brought these rules in? And, ex- I mean, I'm guessing here, because I, 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 I probably should have researched the explanation more, to try to give the, the rule makers some benefit here. I'm presuming it was the idea is, well, it'll stop teams defending en masse you know what I mean? That actually, if you can actually get a ball, you can get a guy free, you can get a guy in space, you can pop it into him, then it actually helps in that regard. But I, I'm failing to see, other than trying, as you said, other than trying to ape the AFL, I am failing to see how it helps the game in terms of continuity, spontaneity, skill set. It doesn't do anything for... And by the way, you're talking about the one column that's just inside the 45 we haven't seen the bedlam yet that the one is going to cause when there's one piked into 15 fellas in the edge of the square and Tommy Walsh, as try, they tried that near the end, goes up and actually wins it and then you're meant to leave him alone for four seconds. Meanwhile, he's sticking it in the bottom of the net. What's going on there? Oh, it's like? ridiculous. And then you can't have two of them in a row. Mother of God, talking about making the referee's job hard. Like. Yeah. But there is absolutely no skill into catching a, a football into your stomach or into your chest. Mm. Nothing. It's, it's the most basic thing that you could possibly do. Uh, but why they... Like, there are so many good rules that we could steal off of basketball, off of the, the Aussie rules, off of the ladies' football and so on. And we picked this... Oh, God, it's just yeah. mind-blowing. Like, why can't we do, like, basketball? Like, have a, clo- have a, have a shot clock? Mm. Why can't we do um, limited amount of people inside the 45? Mm. Straight off. I mean, if you look at the football games all weekend, mm. every team knows that. Every team is getting... You've numerous... This, this isn't just one team anymore. When I'm looking forward to popping up to an old club game now when the championship gets going up in Corklear or something. Uh, That'll be mayhem. It'll <laughs> be absolute mayhem if all this is in place. Yeah, and it is, in, it is in place for the club. Usually, usually, in fairness to them, they trial something in the league and then come April or May, they're saying, no, that was a catastrophe. But it's actually in for the year. Um, that was the, the, the advance mark was trial last year. Yeah. And I thought it was clear as day it was, it was not a success and good luck I thought it was gone. Yeah. The next thing it's in. 
What? Just moving on. I know the way you always, you know, Clare lads, especially in West Clare, look down across into Tarbert. They kind of be keeping an eye on what's going on down in North Kerry. But I was watching Galway call him Saturday night and I just, even talking to Patrick Joyce afterwards, Dalo, I got a real sense of freshness about him. And obviously, John Divoli is a buddy of ours here, writes for the paper, and I met Divo for a, a coffee on the Saturday. And, you know, he was look, he was going through the team with me, and he was kind of going, this guy's new, and yeah, this guy's, and we're trying this guy. And in my head, I was kind of looking at it and saying, oh, I think Kerry will win handy here tonight. You know, Gal, we're a bit off. Jesus, I got some... I mean, they played beautiful brand of football. They moved the ball really, really well. So, I'll make a comment to you. You know the way we do the power rankings, Dale, or Dublin 1, Kerry 2, Argalway, the number three side, column in the county, or in the country at the minute? Well, at the moment, I, I think there's... Um, they have the most potential. Mm. I think there's... Um, Galway have gone back to playing the football that is natural. I know, I know this makes no sense whatsoever, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think that there are certain counties that a style of football that's associated with that county. And I think Galway were always a county that played really good football and played attacking football. And I, don't, I, think, I think an overemphasis on defence was alien to them. Mm. Now, I'm, there's nobody saying that they should abandon defence, but like let the shackles go and let these players play. And like anybody that knows Galway football inside knows that they have serious forwards. It's not just the six that start in Tralee. They have six more. They have serious offensive talent. And, uh, you know, I think if they keep going the way they're going, I think Padraig Joyce, of course, is a breath of fresh air in the sense that, um, you know, he he tells it as it is. He does, doesn't he? And, uh, you know, Padraig Joyce is for playing football the way he played it. And uh, long may it continue. Yeah, because, you know, D- uh, Divo was saying, I was saying, like, you know, what are you going to do with Clifford? You know, because obviously, you know, most teams now are nearly defensively putting their game plan around David Clifford. And he says, oh, he says we're going to throw Sean Mulcairn on him. And I, and I was kind of, what else are you doing? Well, I said, no, that's it. That we're going to give him a goal. Like, you well, know, from, we're gonna... from, from remember, as players, like, obviously, there were two different players, but you'd say PJ would know no other way, would he? He just, he just was all yeah. flair, all, look, give it to me, I'll make it happen. Yeah. And I think he, he would... And I, would I be right in saying their Corfin guys all have to come back yet? One, they, they brought back in Ronan Steed because they needed him. They were, they were short in short midfield midfielder, yeah. the last night. But like I think Parag says to us afterwards, and it was interesting even the way he said it now. I mean, maybe I was reading too much into it. He was kind of saying, I, we were asking him, oh, he says, yeah, no, I spoke, I spoke to the Corfin lads last Monday night. No, he says, and uh, two or three of them are injured and five of them are taking a rest. So he says, that's the story there. And I got the sense almost that he was kind of saying, you know, my patience won't last forever with that. Now, obviously, the Cora Finlands will be the best judge of him, but how many, column do you feel in a strongest Galway team? I mean, who would you be locking in from Cora Finn? You'd be locking in Liam Silk, oh, Ian, obviously. Ian, Ian Bork are the main two. Ian Bork, uh, definitely. Um after that, the rest of them, I think, would have yeah. to fight for their place, you know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Farahers, you know, mm. whatever, like Ronan Lund- Steed, maybe. L- Lundy Farrer. Maybe. Like, the, the thing is, it's, it's you know, people look at the Colourfin. I think the Colourfin success story is more about a culture and a professionalism that is any any club in the country, in ways, can have a lot of what Colourfin are doing. Mm. They're um, incredible behind-the-scenes work there incredible um, nothing is left to chance nothing and um, 
then they've decent players, obviously, of course. Yeah. But I don't think that uh, I think that the, the unit in Corrafin is what it's about, mm. as opposed to the individual. And I don't think that on any given day, there's many of them, you know, would be guaranteed a starting role. I'm not saying that they wouldn't get a starting. Of course, you know, these are all very good footballers, but yeah. none of them, you know, for me, Ian Burke. I would have him on any day. I mean, that guy just knows the right thing to do He's instinctively. Class, yeah. Instinctively, um, he he would be their steed, of course. Um, what you call him? Silk, silk, is great, but it's silk, tough, yeah. silk. But after that, the keeper maybe. After, keeper, yeah. Well, they seem to have solved their keeper problem. Um, Conor Gleeson led. The, the yeah. guy that played um, uh, the last day, he was excellent. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think that, that that might be solved. Well, if if Dahi Burke threw in his lot with football for a year, would he make that level? He would. Uh, I'd say he nearly would. But uh, I mean, he's, he's, he, he's, he he's would good. be like, yeah, he's at yeah. that level. There's no yeah. doubt about it. He's, uh, he's excellent. I, the guy Dalo who'd usually be sitting where you're sitting is Mike Quirk. Um, and in fairness to Mike, we had a chat a couple of weeks ago, and it, uh, he was really humming and hawing, lads. And this is interesting, Colin, for you as a manager now. And like Quirk would be, you know, a good buddy of ours now at this stage. And he was like, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know about the podcast. And and it just got to the week of the first game, and he was kind of saying like, you know what, like this is too important to me. I can't be doing podcast even if I'm not talking about leash. I need my entire focus to be. And this was the week before the Roscommon. And I was kind of saying to myself, you know, geez, I really hope no for his sake, like they, you know, they don't get tanked because going away to Roscommon in the first game was a tough ask. Now all of a sudden, Dalo, two games in and he's, he's top, top of the league. He's looking up. We're delighted for the big dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, one thing about him is that um, from reading his articles in, in the Examiner, uh, it's quite apparent that, number one, he's extremely knowledgeable about football mm. and wherever he was going to go, he was going to make a success of it. Mm. Um, a lot of his views would be, to, you know, they're, they're common sense, they're well-grounded. Progressive, yeah. And he's he's obviously he knows football inside out, and mm. I, I I just think that Leash are lucky to to get somebody as good as him, and uh, I think that um, it's nice to see somebody like that doing well. And he said, "No, that's until they meet Claire." Yeah, he said to me the other night the exact same thing, and in actual fact, I actually think he said it in the paper today, because they lost Stephen Attridge, they lost the Kingstons, and he basically said after Saturday night, "I'm more interested, lads, in talking about the fellas that are here." The fellas, we we actually people are so focused on the Kingston's going and losing their full back, and but he was saying I don't think people have actually overlooked the fact that we have some serious footballers here in Leash, and as you said, to beat Armagh, having gone to Roscommon, I know I'm going to put the absolute hex on him now by saying this, but they're at home to Cavan next weekend, and if they if they can beat Cavan, five points out of six. Suddenly, then, Colm, you know, you're, you're, or to you're look looking up. at you're looking at the top end of the table. Then, yeah, you're yeah. looking at the top end. But like, even from his articles, it's quite obvious that he's a he's a deep knowledge of football, and he he's uh, he to, you know, in my opinion, he's thinking the right way about what way it should be played, and he's thinking the right way tactically, and so on and so forth. So there's uh, it's no surprise to me he's doing well. All right. Okay, guys, great stuff. Great. We probably went on longer than we meant, but it was great fun. It's great fun. Thanks, lads. And remember, folks, as always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or irishexaminer.com slash podcast. And uh, don't forget to leave us an old little review or a comment. Um, you can tell us where we can improve or uh, what we're doing okay. Cheers. Alliance.
supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.